A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Katie Falls and James Forsyth. Well, the row in the Conservative Party over the cost of living crisis continues with Martin Lewis, the money saving expert, being the main face on the airwaves, talking about measures to deal with it. And the leadership contenders, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, waiting either until later in the month or the start of September to announce their plans. Katie, how sustainable is that? Well, I think we're already seeing a slight softening of the language when it comes to the, I will use the phrase, handouts. I think that might mean I'm a badly behaved member of the media. But effectively, the idea of uh, this relief, and I think from the trust camp, it does feel that obviously going back to that interview at the weekend, which really, you know, set the cat among the pigeons of tax cuts over handouts, almost suggesting no handouts. Then you had the comments yesterday. I think we're now in a situation where Liz Truss has said that she will do all I can to ensure people are able to pay their energy bills this winter. And those close to her have said that she she is looking at direct payments to poorer families. I don't think you should call it a handout, but we can call it what we like. So so I think there is a slight softening in the sense are trying to calm some of the nerves around this and then on the Rishi Sunak side I think they want to wait to know what the exact figures are when it comes to the energy price cap before coming up with more specific proposals I think what Gordon Brown was calling for at the weekend so an emergency budget where all three get together that seems pretty unlikely I know Isabel you covered last night the hustings and I think uh, the fact that Liz Truss has suggested it would be you know a kangaroo kind of uh, committee arrangement to, to all start discussing when, when there is technically still a government in place I think points you to how it'd be very hard to come to that sort of agreement. I think what we're going to hear more of is the contingency planning and also I think probably proposals so when someone does take over they've got things to you know pick from there there are things in motion and I think the candidates it's just going to be unsustainable for them to keep not giving details. I think in the coming weeks we will just have to get more details from them what they plan to do and how they plan to hit the ground running it if, if they are chosen to be the next prime minister and I think we're seeing slight whispers of that today in the sense that I mean, there is, you have a government that can't actually make any key decisions in terms of new policy or new spending, but yet there's some talk, there was a briefing to the Sun newspaper suggesting figures in the Treasury might try and toughen up the windfall tax. And that has, I think it's a good example of how even a, a policy that currently exists and toughening it up is something that is controversial because different camps take different stances on what a windfall tax does. So, so nothing I think is very simple or easy to get cross consensus of until there is a new leader. James, there's been a growing sense of discomfort within the wider Conservative Party about the attacks launched from camp to camp over this and a whole range of other policies where it does feel as though there's not just a competition over policy, but a competition to come up with the latest attention grabbing put down that will get tweeted out. Yeah, I mean, there, there are two ways that leadership contests work for a governing party. One way is that they, they garner so much attention and publicity that the opposition can't get noticed uh, and it ends up actually, you know, actually emphasising the governing party's power, if you see what I mean. The other is that it exposes all the divisions within the party and ultimately the opposition can sit back 
and be fairly relaxed about the fact it's getting not very much attention because of the impression of division and how hard those divisions will be to heal once this contest is over. I think at the moment this contest is firmly falling into the latter category. I think it is very odd that Labour aren't saying more about the cost of living crisis, but ultimately I don't think it matters that much given that you are seeing such a fundamental division in the Tory party about what to do. You've got Michael Howard, you know, former Conservative Party leader who's backing Rishi Sunak, basically going on the state programme this morning to kind of repeat the, the thing that Dominic Raab said yesterday about the, consequ- the electoral consequence of Liz Truss's policies or policies as, as they see them. And so I think that's attention. Then you've also got the kind of the fact the trust campaign constantly want to hark back to the fact the tax burden is so high because I think that hits Rishi Sunak, who was the Chancellor until recently. But, you know, also I think it's probably not entirely helpful for the Tories to be constantly reminding people of, of how high the tax burden is. So you've got all of this dynamic playing out. I think Labour will be relatively quiet. Although I thought it was interesting that Labour are letting it be known that they will come out with more on the cost of living soon. I think we talked the other day about the, the Lib Dem proposal. I would be very surprised if when Ofgem says what the price cap will go up by on August 26th, you don't see Labour trying to get ahead of whoever is coming in as Prime Minister by setting out a set of proposals and saying, you know, if you don't match these, you're not helping families. I mean, that would be, that would be the obvious thing for Labour to do. I think that they, they, you know, they can't. What they can't afford to do is give whoever wins this contest a kind of the ability to kind of ride into party conference on on a high. They will, they will, I think, will want to 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 start saying, right, you must do this now. That is the obvious positioning for them to go through. I think there's there's obviously a situation where if you look at it from Labour's perspective, I agree with James, which is if, if Ed Davey is coming out with policies that could uh, you know help ease the cost of living crisis for the Liberal Democrats, I think there's an opportunity that Labour are missing to do the same. But yeah, I imagine if I was sitting in Labour high command, you look at the level of blue on blue every day, the fact that the Liz Truss camp and the Rishi Sunak camp are just tearing chunks out of each other, um, deriding their economic plan, and you probably think well actually we may as well just leave them to it for a few days and then once it's calmed down you know they're doing a lot of the the work of an opposition you would expect whoever is successful of the two and um, there'll be a plenty of Tory attacks which Labour can just recite if, should they want to and I think what what you allude to Isabel in your question which is I think there is growing unhappiness in the Tory party just about the fact that um, I think particularly as the debate has returned back to the economy, where the two candidates disagree the most, I think more than any other policy area really, it's become pretty brutal again. And uh, obviously it starts with Dominic Raab's note yesterday suggesting, you know, um, electoral suicide in, in many ways, if you go to Liz Truss's plan, but also from the Truss camp, uh, you know, suggesting Rishi Sunak is Gordon Brown. It does feel as though not only is it very hard to see how the two sides will ever agree on anything to do with the economy, it also just feels, how do you actually bring this party together in terms of the MPs? Because I think what the Liz Trust camp are trying to do every day, so they have their first switcher, so that is... Uh, Chris Skidmore, who has moved over from being a Rishi Sunak backer to being a Liz Truss backer. Other MPs have come out today. And what they're trying to do is to say Liz Truss can be the unity candidate. She has more people coming to her. Look at the number of cabinet ministers. Look at the people from across the party. She is the best place to deal with what is a very messy situation. And that could technically be the case of the two if you, if you look at where the momentum's going. Of course, we can be cynical and point to the fact that if, if you want a job, you tend to go to the person who's furthest ahead in the polls. But 
even that said, there are a group of MPs who are completely opposed to Liz Truss, just as there are a group who are completely opposed to Rishi Sunak. And whoever comes into 10 Downing Street, which right now we would expect to be Liz Truss, they didn't win the majority of AT themselves. They inherit it. And therefore loyalty is going to I think be even harder than it was for Boris Johnson there could be a fear of an election that could keep people in check but I don't think the rhetoric right now is doing much to encourage those who have been backing Rishi Sunak who are uncomfortable at Liz Truss really really to move over or vice versa I think if anything positions despite if one person moving I think positions are hardening amongst I think the, the biggest loyalists on both sides And James, finally, it's not just sniping between two Tory camps that we've seen today. Uh, A few days ago, Liz Truss described Nicola Sturgeon as being an attention seeker who was best ignored. And the Scottish First Minister has charmingly hit back at this criticism today. What's she been saying? So uh, an appearance at the Edinburgh Festival, Vian Dale, she said, you know, if you want to ignore me, you're ignoring Scotland. Let cost c'est moi. Um, and, and she also claimed that um, that when she'd met Liz Truss at the, the, the COP climate summit, Nicola Sturgeon had just been in vogue. And, and Nicola Sturgeon said it was rich for her to call me an attention seeker because what uh, Liz Truss wanted to know from me was how to get into vogue. Now, some people have suggested that Liz Truss might have been having a dig at Nicola Sturgeon about being in vogue and Nicola Sturgeon didn't didn't quite get the joke. But I think it is, it, it is a sign that... Anyone expecting, uh, yeah, if you anyone expecting relations between these two to be radically better than relations between Nicola Sturgeon and Boris Johnson have been, uh, yeah, is going to be disappointed. I think that there will definitely be some shade thrown as as Nicola Sturgeon's remarks today show. I think as soon as Liz Truss suggested that Nicola Sturgeon was an attention seeker who should best be ignored, it really set the tone for what relations would be like between the pair. And therefore, um, I think Sturgeon's reply today, which could be, oh, you know, you could dress it up as being, this is what we talked about. We talked about fashion magazines. I mean, clearly it is not meant in a particularly positive or flattering way at Liz Truss, no matter how you say it. And I think it does just point to not quite the same as Boris Johnson, but Liz and uh, Nicola Sturgeon. But I think, again, this kind of robustness. And also I think what's interesting is if if you combine this with reports that Michael Gove um, could be on the way out, so a situation whereby um, lots of people are saying he will not be offered a job in Liz Truss's cabinet, we know that Liz Truss and Michael Gove had disagreed on lots of issues in the past, particularly trade deals. I think he was regarded as one of the Waitrose protectionists that I wrote about a few years ago. The axis of evil, where she is very much a free marketeer. And, and I think that in the cabinet under Boris Johnson, there was always a bit of a divide between uh, some of the secretaries of state for the devolved administrations and Michael Gove's approach to the SNP, which is often, you know, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. It's very much the Michael Gove approach. And I think that we can see from Liz Truss's words so far that she is very much in the vinegar camp. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.